talking about how how we're gonna uh, devote two hours rather than an hour um, to to this uh, to this time slot. So the past couple of meetings we've had have been have gone a bit over our allotted time. So um, we just made we made the decision to uh, change these meetings to two hours. If we don't need the two hours, then you know we, we won't use all two hours. But um, so that's that's item number one. Um, I, the second item is we have been this week engaged in um, public and stakeholder outreach. Um, the, the first round of public and stakeholder outreach meetings, we've had, uh, let me see, three meetings so far. The first meeting uh, was uh, with university affiliates. Uh, I think we had, I don't have an exact count. Adam probably has an exact count, but I think there were maybe seven or eight people on that call. Um, then we had two meetings with frontline staff, so drivers, dispatchers. Um, uh, I, th I think we had some um, supervisors, I believe, in the room as, as well. So we've had we had two of those today. Those were fairly well attended. Um, the first one, I think there were about five or six people, and the second one about three or four. Not some folks were off camera that. I wasn't able to get a full account, but Adam has that count. Um, we got really good feedback, I think, both from the university affiliates and the frontline staff. Um, we presented the same presentation that we uh, presented to all of, all of you last last time we met. Um, it, it went fairly well. We discussed the trade-off questions in great length and, and got a lot of uh, interesting comments from the stakeholders so far. So. We're gonna continue with those meetings um, this week. So we have a general public meeting tomorrow night from six to eight, that's, that's gonna be a Zoom meeting. Um, Adam and uh, a, few of, a few other people on his staff are gonna also be doing a draw your own route workshop. Um, that is the, let me see, Thursday, I believe, from uh, 10 to 12. And then actually there's gonna be a few different sessions of that at the Lawrence Public Library. So people can stop by and, and kind of, you know, draw their ideas, uh, uh, sketch their sketch different route concepts that they, they may have on their minds. Um, and then we're also meeting with major employers um, on the 25th, as well as community resources. So that's uh, various stakeholders, social services, medical, and um, groups like that. So I think overall we're we're getting good feedback. Um, I don't know, Adam, if you have any thoughts on the meeting so far, or, or anything related to kind of outreach on on that front. Yeah, I think they're going well. I think we're looking forward to seeing what kind of participation we have at the Draw Your Own Route workshops. That always kind of opens up a, a box that I don't think general public gets to. Um, participate in very often, so we'll see if we can get some interesting info there. Um, I, I would also say, uh, while not necessarily a specific meeting, we have a number of staff who've been helping um, uh, solicit surveys, paper surveys, at our uh, bus transfer area and onboard buses throughout the week, so we're trying to amplify our responses to the survey by um, some kind of in-person engagement, reaching people who may maybe had never seen or wouldn't be able to access the computer piece of that. Yeah, we've had fair, fairly good response rates so far on at least on the online side. So we're I think somewhere around 375, maybe maybe more by now. Um, so it's a pretty pretty good uh, response to the surveys so far. Um, 
so that's the uh, that's sort of the update on the engagement part of things. Uh, the, the next piece I'd like to talk about is the existing conditions and market analysis uh, memo that I, I believe all of you got that that memo, but I'm going to share my screen um, just to, as we talk through that. Okay. All right. So um, I, I think overall what uh, this, the, the, the aim of this memo overall uh, is to kind of set the stage for, for the next step in, in this study. So we're about to dive in, you know, very heavily into the service analysis um, and understanding, you know, identifying the strengths and weaknesses of every route and the existing conditions and market analysis kind of set the stage for that. It, it helps us um, begin to, to kind of understand the big picture in terms of what services uh, are out there, based on the services that, that we outline in this document, we then are following up in the next stage in the service analysis and digging you know, really deep into every aspect of the service. Um, so the three, the three kind of main parts of this, of this document are the existing, existing services, um, the budget and funding and the market analysis. So the budget and funding, the, the aim of that section, um, which we'll talk about a little in more detail in a second, but the aim there is to understand the baseline for the, for the funding um, and budget situation, because as we develop recommendations, we want to kind of understand where, where things stand in terms of available resources or potential resources going forward. Um, we're also looking at the possibility of, you know, how to how to proceed with the debate about fare free or, or not fare free for, for the system. So there's implications to that. Um, so that's kind of where the funding piece fits into the, to the big picture. And then the market analysis, um, where that fits in is as we start identifying strengths and weaknesses of every route, um, the market analysis helps us understand where there could be stronger opportunities if there's a route that's not performing well, or if there's a segment of a route that's not performing well, or certain times uh, of the day that a route's not performing well, um, we refer back to the market analysis to, to kind of guide us and, and say, okay, well, we can probably move a route uh, somewhere else uh, and or reallocate resources to try to improve the product of the service. So um, with that background information, I just want to quickly run through um, kind of, again, the key sections here. So in the existing services section, which is the, uh, the first chapter, um, we provide this higher level overview. So each route, we kind of describe in you know, very short form and um, you know, lay out the service span, the frequency, and, and so on. Um, nothing about productivity at this point. That's going to be in the next step. Uh, same thing for K the KU service. And then the coordinated service, the coordinated routes, uh, 11 and 29. And then we have a section about additional uh, transportation services that are in the community. These are services that, in some cases, people are trying to connect to via transit. In, in other cases, these may be in some ways even competing with services that um, KU or uh, Lawrence Transit operates. In particular, some of the social service and senior service transportation options, and some people may choose to, to use those when they 
they could use other um, services, but we're trying to paint like a, a complete picture of uh, the mobility environment in the community. Um, as you guys review this, if there's anything that you feel like we left out, then you know please please let us know. But that's the uh, additional services. Then we yes. ask a question on that additional services, Boris. Um, sure. So I guess I don't know how, how wide we cast the net, but um, I'm realizing we didn't include things like Greyhound and Amtrak that might have some regional ties. I don't know how much that necessarily. Um, I mean, I, I know in some cases those, those connect in with what we're doing here locally. So. No, that's we can um, certainly document those as well. I, I think I think there's uh, a case to be made that a person who is willing to take transit locally is also, or, or vice versa, is, is a person that's willing to use Greyhound or Amtrak is a good candidate for transit service. So those tie in, you know, very very closely. So I think we can certainly add those to to our list. It's August Fruta, so I just have a question. Um, I know the Nest and the Connection have their own transit bus. Is, do, how many student housing apartment complexes or whatever, or do we know how many student-aimed apartment complexes have a bus that they'll ferry people back and forth? Actually, I don't know that information. I don't know if there is a comprehensive list of that. It, does anybody else know if there is? Point. Yeah, I don't I'm not sure there's a consolidated place for us to find that out. I definitely know of those two because we do see them on town. And but, I don't even I don't um, even know like if it's like if I don't even know anything about it. So I don't know if it's just like every interval they'll travel or if it's call based or I see, I see Max raising his hand. Max, you have Hi, um I'm a I'm a KU student, so I have a little bit of perspective on this. Um, a lot of apartments have them. I, I don't have an exact number, but I think that's something we could probably pull because they go on campus and only certain people are allowed on campus during um, like out certain hours. And so they'd have to have permission for that. And we can look at the list of people who have permission. Um, and so I could probably pull that if that's something we wanted. Um, I think that would be helpful because if we find some, you know, something in the ridership data, the KU ridership data, that's hard for us to explain. In some cases, we, in other communities, we found that when you have these apartment shuttles, they sometimes siphon away ridership from, you know, general purpose uh, public transit or, or shuttle services that are run by the university. So I think it would be useful to have that information if we can get it. Yeah, I'll see what I can do. Okay. Um, it's also potentially a funding opportunity because there are sometimes when there's a new development, a new apartment development, sometimes they're very gung-ho and trying to, you know, differentiate themselves from others and they'll use transportation as one way that they can differentiate, differentiate themselves. But sometimes when their first uh, generation of vehicles start getting old, they find themselves, you know, unprepared to, to replace them. And, and so in some cases, the case can be made to them that rather than um, replacing vehicles, maybe there's a, a way to create a fund that apartment complexes pay in to the KU system to, to help fund that or help increase frequency or maintain frequency, whatever the case may be, um, instead of operating their own services. So I think it would be good to have that information. All right. Um, 
so then we have a section about kind of the supporting infrastructure, bus stops and amenities, as well as passenger information. Um, we've been hearing a lot about passenger information in this in the stakeholder meetings we've been having uh, this week. So um, it's something we'll be paying attention to going forward to to make sure that uh, or, or potentially to make recommendations on improving passenger information. Um, then we have a section of outlining the history of the um, transit center that's being developed on Bob Billings Parkway. Uh, a little bit of background information with previous studies, how it was selected and, and so on, and a description of it. Then we have uh, one of several site plans because um, this is still not, you know, not a, not a uh, selected plan, but this, this is one of the ones that's out there for consideration. And then we have a section about the budget and funding. And Alana McKeeman, who I think this is the first time she's actually joined us um, in one of these meetings, she's leading the financial analysis. So I will let her um, provide a quick overview of this and answer any questions you guys might have about the financial uh, baseline. Sure. Thanks, Boris. Good evening, everyone. Um, yeah, so I'll just run through this uh, pretty quickly. Feel free to stop me with any questions. Um, some of you might know Lawrence Transit. Uh, in the most recent year, the budget was about uh, $9 million, uh, with about 80% of that going toward operating expenses. Um, I think what's important to note here is really that the funding sources vary significantly based on whether you're talking about operating or capital. Um, so in FY 2020, um, about, um, excuse me, local and federal funding made up almost the, the, the vast majority of the funding for operating with um, state funding and fares being only a small portion. Um, when it comes to capital, on the other hand, um, the, the bulk of that comes actually from the state with a, a good portion also from the federal government. Um, yeah, and then KU on Wheels obviously is a, a unique service um, and their funding um, pretty much, uh, I think completely comes from the, the student fees. Um, so that's quite different in their structure of funding. Um, in terms of fares, um, well, maybe Boris, we can go down to the financial indicators and then that's a good kind of opening to talk about fares. So one of the things that we like to look at in, in looking at how the system performs from a, a financial productivity perspective is how, how it compares to other agencies with respect to some key metrics like cost per service hour, um, cost per passenger trip, cost per passenger mile, uh, fare revenue per passenger trip and fare revenue uh, or fare box recovery ratio. And I'm happy to go into more detail on any of those, but I think the takeaway here really is that, you know, overall Lawrence Transit and KU on Wheels um, financial productivity is quite, you know, either in line with national averages or slightly overperforming. So that's good to see. Um, and in general, a much smaller portion of the funding comes from fares compared to the average peer agency nationwide. Um, and so I think, you know, what that tells us is going fare free would definitely have less of a financial impact than it would for, for other um, agencies that are similar, similarly situated. Um, so I can pause there and see if there's any questions about that. Okay. All right. Well, then the next 
section is the market analysis. And we've talked about parts of this uh, before, but the market analysis is, is, as I said, um, provides the, the context for um, the assessment of the, of the routes and understanding why they may or may not be doing as well uh, or why they are doing well in, in, in some cases. So it's divided, this section is divided into a section that discusses the transit potential. So the transit potential is a measure of density. So we first present the population density and that's uh, this map here. We then add to that the employment density, which is this map, probably no surprises here. Um, and then we combine the two together into a transit potential uh, map, which is shown here. And then to provide further context, we're also showing key points of interest. Um, this is probably very small, it's hard for you guys to see. Um, I'm gonna actually bring up another way that we're looking at this, uh, if you guys can see my screen. Um, let me, so, you know, once we get into looking at, at individual routes, um, we, we start looking if a this does, we don't, we haven't yet overlaid the service performance data, but once we do, we, we can see things like this, like if a route is doing well here, but it's, but it's not doing well somewhere else, maybe this is a better example. Um, you know, we can see areas that do have points of interest versus areas that don't and, um, you know, potentially realign service. Although in every case I'm looking at right now, <laughs> the alignment actually makes a lot of sense given the points of interest. But, but this, is, this is why this information is useful because we can really um, drill down and, and look at all aspects of density, all aspects of uh, key trip generators, um, route by route and segment by segment and, and call out like, okay, so here's a, a mobile home park, um, here's a medical facility and, and so on and help explain to ourselves and then to stakeholders and uh, to all of you, why we think routes are doing well or not well. So that's the transit potential piece of it. Then we move on to another analysis that is transit need. And this is looking at specific population groups. The, the math on this one is, is a little bit tricky. So I just want to um, provide you guys the background on that as you start reading through this document. So what we do is we take each um, each of the metrics shown here, and then we create quintiles. So we have five five categories based on a natural breaks um, methodology. And so using zero vehicle households as an example, um, we take the block groups. So block groups are a geography that is a, a census-based geography. We take block groups and we take the concentration of zero, zero vehicle households and we categorize them into five groups. So the highest uh, concentration to the lowest concentration. Then we assign a, a scoring system of one to five. So a block group that has the lowest concentration of zero vehicle households will get one point. And then uh, a block group that has the highest will get five points. And as we go through each of those metrics, at the end, we create a final score that ranges from five to 25. And that's, that's what the transit need 
map is showing. So the transit need is a relative measure as opposed to, to density. Density is, is an actual you know, measure of how many people per acre. This is a relative uh, comparison of different block groups against other block groups in the region um, based on their concentration of uh, each of the five population subgroups that we, that we looked at. Does, does that make sense? Um, one thing um, to note here is, as, as I was preparing for this meeting, I realized that for one of the metrics, we, we did it a little bit differently than we described in, in the lead up. So for the youth population, um, we described it as looking at youth and young adults. Um, I think we described it that way up here. Yeah, we described looking at youth and young adults. But when we did the analysis, we actually only looked at youth. We, so up to 18, so 18 and under, which is a good measure of, of transit need because you have high school students, middle school students, um, even you know, people that are potentially you know, younger than that, but they're, they're going to, to, to daycares or elementary schools or whatever. So that is a good measure. But we didn't show young adults in the map that we... Um, are showing on figure 13. And because of that, the university area um, is shown as having fairly low transit need. And this is kind of a point of, of debate because on the one hand, we know that the university area is already fairly well served by a you know, site-specific shuttle network that's designed around the university. Um, and adding the, since this is a relative measure, adding the university in there may end up kind of diluting some other areas that we actually do want to um, pay attention to because they have concentrations of high school students, middle school students, and the like, and they would be the types, types of users that we would want to attract to uh, Lawrence Transit um, service. So we're kind of on the fence debating whether we should put young adults back in or, or leave them out because we accidentally left them out, but in the process realized that it was actually useful to leave them out um, so as not to flood, uh, flood out the, the, the other young population in the, in the community. So any thoughts on, on that? Uh, you know, put, put young adults back in or, or, or leave them out? Can you hear me? Hello? Yes. Hi, this is Freddie Gip, PTAC. Uh, I have a question about the uh, about what you just mentioned about the students. So um, I think that you should leave them in because there's a lot of students from high school that come from low socioeconomic areas that don't have cars and that they're usually walking with groceries down Mass Street. Mm -hmm. So I think that it should be a priority to include them. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, we... That's that's a really good point, and of course, Haskell. I don't want to leave out Haskell, so I I, I apologize for if I was focusing just on KU. But you're right. Um, the, putting putting in the young adults up to 25 years of age would definitely uh, probably result in uh, both universities showing up. At, you know, having a greater inherent need. I would say. I mean, we can. Um, it, it seems more appropriate to show all the data and not leave them out. But yeah. I guess doing it this way, um, I guess, depends on how much it dilutes when we put all the university students back in, mm -hmm. uh, how much it makes it difficult to see what is currently read on the map. 
But since we've got, we do both? we've got the ability to look at them both ways. Yeah, I think we can, um, once we put them back in, we can show, we can see if there's a, a big difference and um, we can potentially leave them both in uh, or we can, you know, replace one with the other. Um, I, I don't know the answer yet to how far it dilutes um, some of the other areas. Maybe, maybe it won't because the university population is distributed. I mean, not everybody lives on campus. People people live at, in, in other areas and it may turn out that the young adult population complements some of the areas that we're already seeing having um, a high transit need. So we'll rerun that and see how it looks. So that's the, um, the transit need piece. And that's uh, the end of this, this memo. Um, this memo is, is one piece. It's sort of a building block into uh, what will eventually be a single document. So the single document will have, it'll start with a transit, uh, the market analysis and existing conditions assessment. It'll then continue on to the service analysis and then a summary of outreach from, from the public meetings and then go into um, recommendations and service scenarios. So this is a building block. That's why it kind of ends abruptly um, because this document is feeding into another document later, if that makes sense. So, um, so yeah, that's that's actually our agenda for today. And if uh, if there are any questions about anything we've covered, we'd be glad to take them. Okay. Um, so next time we meet, we will begin the discussion of. Um, the service analysis that we that we're currently doing, um, we'll, we'll probably present a few routes. I don't think by next month we'll have the entire service analysis finished, but we will have um, several route profiles that we'll be able to to share with you guys and discuss um, some of the initial findings. Um, so that's kind of the the next step of of our discussion. All right, any. Comments or questions? If not, then um, we might just wrap. add a little bit for the for the steering committee members. I, I had sent out a um, uh, some texts encouraging people to join the, the various uh, public uh, meetings that we have this week and and workshops. And I would just encourage you if you have not taken the survey yourself to please do so. And if you've got um, listservs or organizations that you're able to push out that information to um, the more, you know, we, we gathered this group because you all um, uh, are involved in a lot of different groups throughout town and have different perspectives. And if we can get out that survey to all those groups, we'll have a better representative set of information. So um, we'll just encourage you to um, take that survey yourself and also get out the information to the folks that you work with. I have a question regarding the survey. Um, where are we at in the process of, of making a Spanish version? Um, we do have a Spanish version already made. It's at the library. So the library is offering both English and Spanish versions at their front desk. So that's where we've been directing most people to, um, to go through. I'd be um, open if there's other channels we should try to explore for that. I know we've, um, uh, tried to coordinate with like Centro Hispano before. It wasn't, I, I don't 
think it was logistically easy for them to, to work with, um, like handing out and receiving back the, the paper surveys, but um, certainly any other thoughts you all have to get that out would be open to you. Adam, do you have any uh, idea if how, how many of the Spanish surveys have been taken so far, or is that still to be determined? Yeah, I, I don't have a sense yet on okay. that. Um, I know the the, the uh, folks that we have out soliciting surveys this week on the bus platform um, in just the first couple of days we've done it here, we haven't had anyone yet who we've directed to that, um, but I'm not sure if we just walk in traffic to the library has picked any up yet. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, thank you all very much. Um, we look forward to meeting next time and please do take the survey if you haven't already. Thank you, Boris. All right, have a good night. Thank you. Everyone.